0: Who is excited about the Word of God today? (laughs) I'm excited. I I love prophecy. I, I love end times. I love this. I eat it up. I can't get enough of it. I'm a news junkie because of it. I stay in the news. My. TV stays on Fox and CNN and everywhere else because I'm excited about the things that are happening and taking place. And God has given us an opportunity to know and understand what was, what is, and what is to come so that we may be prepared and ready. And so we're going to continue with that today. So join me in prayer and then we'll begin. God, I thank you so much again for what you are doing in this place and in our midst. We are humbled by it, God. But we're also grateful to you for there are so many out there, God, who don't have the opportunity and the privilege to know what we now know and to understand what we are about to learn as well from your word. And so we ask, God, as we open up your word, may you open up our hearts and minds to receive it with understanding, with gladness, God, that it may change us from the inside out and we may leave this place better than we have come in more equipped to change the world that you're taking us into. We pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said together. Amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand one more time, if you will, please. (laughs) Amen. Well, we have a saying, uh, something we like to call people uh, in our nomenclature or vernacular today. Uh, We may say of some people, you have an old soul. Okay. Anybody heard that before? You have an old soul. Now, please don't get me wrong. We're not talking about reincarnation. We don't believe in reincarnation of any kind. But when somebody says that you have an old soul, what they're saying is you don't act your age. As a matter of fact, you act older than you are, more mature than you are. You act older than you really are in your approach or in your response to life. I've been accused of having an old soul from time to time. <laughs> Some people have come up to me, and just yesterday someone said it again, but they come to me and said, uh, Pastor, you preach like an old man. Okay? <laughs> you, you, are you sure? You, you, you preach like an old man. Now, I've been preaching this way since I was 22 years old, okay? Ever since God called me out of this world and into his kingdom and called me into the ministry, I've been preaching this way. But they will tell me, Pastor, you preach like an old man. Okay, (laughs) You must have an old soul. And not only because of my preaching style and the way that I preach, but also because I don't really have a desire for new things or materialistic things. And I really have an interest for old things. You know, uh, thanks to Nick at night, I grew up watching shows like Mr. Ed, and (laughs) My Three Sons, and Car 54, Where Are You? Anybody remember those shows? (laughs) So as a kid growing up, I was interested in the old, and I grew up watching those shows. But I remember there was one particular show, they really didn't play it a whole lot, but they would reference it from time to time. And that particular old show they would reference from time to time was called, That Was the Week That Was. That, now some of y'all don't even know that one, okay? That's how old it is. But that was the week that was, was uh, one of the first of its kind. It was political satire, okay? So think of SNL's uh, The Weekend Update, okay? That's... What the week that was, was. It was a show where they would recap all of the political events that happened that particular or prior week. It was the week that was. Well, last week we talked about the 70 weeks of Daniel. If you were here, you know and understand through Daniel chapter 9, 70 weeks have been determined to do everything that needs to be done before Jesus Christ comes back as the king that he is. Okay, But of those 70 weeks, we went through 69 of those weeks, right? We went through only 69 of the 70 weeks. That means that there is but one more week to go. Or one more seven year period to go. And it is known as the 70th week of Daniel. Whenever you hear preachers or pastors or leaders talk about the 70th week of Daniel, this is what they're talking about. This is what they're referring to. They're referring to the last seven years that will take place or happen. Before Jesus Christ comes back as King to rule as the king that he is. And at the end of this 70th week, at the end of this seven year period, it will be described as being the week that was. <laughs> it will be described as being the week that was because it will be the week that was the worst the world has ever seen. This 70th week. Jesus again returns At the end of this week, at the end of this 70th week or the end of this seven year period, Jesus Christ returns. That means that Jesus is always but a week away. (laughs) The return of Jesus Christ is always but a week away, because at the end of this week that we're going to talk about today, Jesus Christ is going to return. But it is also a week that you want to be away from. You do not want to be at this week. You don't want to be anywhere around this week when it begins, okay? And I believe many of us won't be here, okay? But I know that's debatable. I know Christians have been debating this for centuries, and so... That won't end until we know for sure, but I believe many of us won't be here. We will be away from this week. So a week away not only describes Jesus' return, I believe it also describes our removal. Let me say that again. Not only does a week away describe Jesus' return, because he is always but a week away, it also describes our removal through something called the rapture so the fourth installment of our series called the sealed reveal we're going to speak today on that particular subject and we're simply going to entitle it a week away okay? a week away now if you have your bibles turn with me to daniel chapter 9 we're going to pick up where we left off last week in daniel chapter 9 again daniel receives dreams he receives visions He doesn't understand them, so the angel Gabriel comes to him and he explains to him, gives them the meaning or the interpretation of these dreams and visions that Daniel has received from God. But in verse 25 of Daniel chapter 9, the angel Gabriel says this to Daniel, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince. Until Palm Sunday, when Jesus Christ comes in as king, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. So again, as we said last week, God takes these 70 weeks that he has determined for Jerusalem and for Israel, for all things to happen. And he has broken up these 70 weeks into three different periods. There shall be seven weeks. And then 62 weeks. 7 and 62 is what? 69 weeks. Which means there is still one more week to go. Okay? Because Israel, God's chosen people, rejected their Messiah. Did not believe in their Messiah. Did not repent and turn to their Messiah. Because that happened, God pressed pause on the clock. Okay? Now, up until this point, God has been on time every time. Okay, we gave you that last week, that prophecy that was fulfilled. So 69 of the weeks has been fulfilled to the T. But now that Israel has rejected, now that Israel has not believed, now that they have not repented or turned to their Messiah. What God does is he simply presses pause on the clock and sets us in intermission. And we have been in intermission ever since. Right now, we are in between weeks. <laughs> we are in between the 69th week and the beginning or the start of the 70th week. Right? We are in intermission. So the question that we had last week, we have it again today. When will this 70th week of Daniel begin? If there is one more week to go, if there is one more seven-year period to go, we want to know when does this seven-year period or this last week actually begin when does God unpause time and continue this last week well verse 27 verse 27 says this then he who is he the antichrist the little horn the beast the one who will come to rule the known world or all the world at this time then he shall confirm a covenant with many for how long one week One week, when this guy rises to power, he's going to be able to do what no one in human history has been able to do, and that is bring peace to the Middle East. Okay? Now, we just signed a peace treaty, I believe, with Afghanistan or with the Taliban that got us out of that long war. That's great, but it hadn't happened with Israel and Palestine <laughs> And it is not going to happen with Israel and Palestine until the Antichrist comes in and makes it happen. He shall confirm a covenant with many for one week or one seven-year period, but in the middle of that week, not on Wednesday, in the middle of that week, in the the three-and-a-half-year period, he is then going to break that covenant. He is going to bring an end to sacrifice and offerings which means they're going to be able to continue. We'll talk about that later on. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate even unt- until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. Okay. In other words, he's going to bring about what is referred to as the abomination that causes desolation. We'll talk about that later on as well. But we don't know when the 70th week will begin. We don't know when the 70th week will begin, but we do know what will cause it to begin. That's what we know for sure. We don't know when this is going to happen. We don't know when this is going to take place, but we do know what is going to cause this 70th week to begin. It is going to begin with the signing of this seven-year peace treaty. When this Antichrist, when this world leader, this ruler brings Israel and Palestine together and they come with up with an agreement that's what a a covenant is and it's for seven years of peace God says start the clock again (laughs) unpause the clock Start it up again that will be the start of this 70th week or this last seven year period you're able to see peace in the Middle East for seven years now there is a lot in this verse More than meets the eye, there's a lot in this seven-year period or this one week. It's kind of like the difference between Genesis 1 and Genesis 3. In Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. In Genesis 3, it says, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. But we don't know how many or how much time was in between those two verses, (laughs) So you have a lot of people, they argue back and forth about the age of the earth and how old is it? Is it a young earth? Is it an old earth? And is it millions and billions of years like scientists say? Or is it 6,000 years like, like Christians say? Who's right? Well, you have to do some speculation either way. Okay, There's some speculation either way. But one thing that we don't know for sure is how long was that period between Genesis 1:1 and Genesis 1-3? <laughs> God could have made the heavens and the earth, and there have been billions of years before he said, and then God said, Let there be light and began the days. That could have happened as well. So just like there is a lot in, between Genesis 1.1 and Genesis 1.3, there is a lot going on with this one verse, verse 27. There is a lot going on in this one week. And so what we're gonna do for the next several weeks is we're gonna take time to recap the week that was. Okay? We're going to pour out everything that is going to go on and happen in this 70th week of Daniel or in these last seven years before Jesus Christ comes back. We're going to recap the week that was so that you will know the week it will be. (laughs) And we're going to start with what's going to set it all off. And I believe what's going to set it all off is what is known as the rapture of the church. Now, Let me give you a fair warning and give you a disclaimer. There is a debate amongst Christendom, okay? (laughs) There's a, a debate amongst Christians about the rapture of the church. People ask, will we be here for the 70th week of Daniel?" Will we be here for this seven-year time period? Will we be able to witness the rise of the Antichrist? Will we be able to see the signing of the seven-year peace treaty? Will we be able to witness the rebuilding of the temple and the sacrifices and the offerings given again? Will the church, will the Christians, will the saints be here to see all of that? Well, I personally don't believe we will be. I personally don't believe we will be here to see any of that. okay? And it is because of this next big significant event that the world is going to see. And it is called the rapture of the church. Okay? Now, again, there are those Christians saved, believe God on their way to heaven. They don't believe in a rapture. They will tell you, I don't believe in a rapture. And the reason why they don't believe in a rapture, one of the reasons they will say is because the word rapture is not found in the Bible. You can search from Genesis to Revelation and you won't find the word rapture in the Bible. So they say because the word rapture is not in the Bible, there is no such thing as a rapture. Well, let me tell you what other word is not in the Bible. The Bible. The <laughs> Bible. the Bible is not in the Bible. (laughs) But you believe in that? (laughs) There are other words that are not found in the Bible that we believe in. Trinity is not found in the Bible. But you believe in that? We believe that God is three in one. We believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity of God. (laughs) We believe that. (laughs) But Trinity is not in the Bible. You won't find the word Trinity anywhere in the Bible. But you will find Trinity show up in the Bible, will you not? When Jesus is being baptized, he comes up out of the water. The Holy Spirit then descends upon him like a dove. Then the voice in heaven says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. All three are in that one scene there. (laughs) So even though Trinity is not in the Bible, The teaching of the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity is in the Bible. The teaching of the Bible is in the Bible or the word of God. And so it is with rapture as well. The word rapture may not be in the Bible, but it's teaching. It's doctrine most definitely is in the word of God. If you're taking notes, rapture comes from the Latin word rapturo. Or the Greek word harpazo, okay? rapturo or harpazo. And what that word simply means is to be seized, to be snatched, to be caught up, to be carried away or to be transported from one place to another. That is what the word rapture or rapturo or harpazo means. It simply means to be caught up or carried away or transported from one place to to another. That's what it means. And we actually find five different instances of a rapture in the scripture. Five different examples, five different instances, five different times people actually receive a rapture. The first is found in Hebrews 11 5. This is reporting back to what happened in the Old Testament, but in Hebrews 11 5. We find that Enoch was the first one to get his own personal rapture. Enoch, the Bible says, by faith, Enoch was what? Taken away. Harpazoed, rapturo, rapture. Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Enoch never died. And was not found. Why? Because God had taken him that is an example of a rapture enoch received his own personal rapture after enoch was elijah <laughs> elijah in 1 kings 211 the bible says that elijah and elisha were walking together and then it happened in 1 Kings 2 11 then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them and Elijah, what? Went up. <laughs> Elijah was caught up. Elijah was raptured by a whirlwind into heaven. Elijah was transported from earth to heaven by this chariot of fire or this whirlwind. Elijah got his own personal rapture. After Elijah, we find Philip next. Philip gets his own personal rapture. Philip, you know the story in Acts 8:39, the Ethiopian eunuch is on his chariot. He's reading the book of Isaiah, I believe. Philip comes to him and says, you understand what you're reading? He says, no, how can I Let somebody explains it to me? So Philip begins to preach at that verse, Jesus Christ and him crucified. After he preaches the word to this eunuch, the eunuch says, what's preventing me from being baptized? Philip says, Nothing if you believe, says I believe. Well, let's go find some water. They go find a body of water. Philip is baptizing this Ethiopian eunuch, and then Acts 8:39 it says, Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord did what? Caught Philip away. <laughs> Raptured. <laughs> caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. Now, Philip wasn't caught up to heaven. He was caught up to Caesarea, but still, he got a rapture. <laughs> he was transported from one place, from one location, from one spot to another. After Philip, we read that Paul got a rapture. Paul got his own personal rapture. 2 Corinthians 12, 2. In 2 Corinthians 12, 2, Paul, he is speaking in the third person, but he is talking about himself. He is trying to be humble. But he says this, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know. God knows such a one was what? Caught up. (laughs) Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Paul says, I was raptured. I was caught up. I was taken away. I was transported from earth to heaven. Now, I came back. (laughs) Whether it was in the body or in the spirit, I came back, but I was still caught up. I saw things that are unlawful to me to even try and describe on this side because Paul received his own personal rapture. And then last, but certainly not least, Jesus. (laughs) Jesus himself received the rapture. In Acts 1-9, after Jesus gives his final bidding, his final words to all of his disciples, it says in Acts 1-9, Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was what? Taken up. He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So rapture is all over the Bible. (laughs) Old Testament, New Testament alike, rapture is all over the Bible. If you don't believe in a rapture, you don't believe in the Bible. You don't believe in a rapture, you don't believe in the word of God because rapture, the teaching, the doctrine, even though the word is not there, is throughout the Bible, And what it speaks of and teaches us and talks about with these five men, it also talks about what will happen to us as the people of God as well. In 1 Thessalonians 4.15, this is a particular scripture you may hear in funerals. I use this scripture quite a bit when I conduct a funeral because it is about comforting people who lost loved ones. At this particular time, people had died, but... The Christians believed that Jesus was coming back. Jesus was going to return. And they began to become sad. as like, wow, wait a minute. These people, my family members, my friends, my loved ones, they believed in Jesus Christ. They were Christians. They were committed to Christ. But they died. (laughs) They died before Jesus could come back. So does that mean when Jesus comes back, they're going to miss out? They're going to miss him? Because they have already died and they won't be here when he comes back. Is that what's going to happen? So Paul has to address that concern with them. And in 1 Thessalonians 4.15, he says this. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Or those who have died believing in Jesus Christ. Why? For to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. They're not going to miss out on a thing. Okay. He says, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. You'll say, well, wait a minute. When Jesus comes back, if the dead in Christ, that those who die believing in Jesus Christ, are going to rise first, how can they rise first if they're already with him? I mean, if the Bible says to be absent from the body, if our spirit is absent from our body, which means we've died, but we are now present with the Lord, how does the Bible say that the dead are going to rise first? Well, the Bible's talking about their dead bodies. The dead bodies that they left behind are going to rise first. Okay? They're dead bodies that have been buried. What's been buried into the ground. Is not what comes up out of the ground. <laughs> you You plant a seed. You don't get a seed that comes up. You get a flower. You get a tree. You get fruit. What goes into the ground is not what comes up out of the ground. So when Jesus Christ comes in the air, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. That is, their dead bodies are going to rise out of the ground to meet their spirit, and they're going to have a glorified body just like Jesus Christ. That is what's going to happen. But almost simultaneously, (laughs) and I say almost simultaneously because the Bible says we who are alive and remain will not precede them. So that has to happen first, but almost simultaneously, you're going to need a camera to put it in steel mode uh, uh, frame by frame to see this because you're going to think it all happens at the same time. But after the dead in Christ rise first, the Bible then says this in verse 17, then we who are alive and remain shall be what caught up. Same word. Same phrase used of those other five men who experienced the rapture. We who are alive and remain when the Lord comes back in the air after the dead in Christ's bodies are risen, we too then shall be raptured. We too shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord therefore comfort one another with these words (laughs) that is what is going to happen Paul is talking about a rapture and a reunion We're going to reunite with all of the saints of old. Reunite with all of our loved ones who died before us. We're going to reunite with everybody in the clouds, in the air, with the Lord, to be with the Lord forever and ever. We say, well, wait a minute. If the dead in Christ got glorified bodies because they were buried, we planted them in the ground, and then what came up out of the ground was a glorified body... If we are alive and remain, we haven't been planted. If we are alive and remain, we haven't been buried in the ground. So what about these bodies? Are we going to just go into heaven with these same sinful, carnal, fleshly, worldly bodies? Absolutely not. First Corinthians 15 tells us what's going to happen with us. First Corinthians 1550 says this. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Cannot. This flesh and blood that we are in right now cannot inherit the kingdom of God. No, this corruptible must take off corruption and put on incorruption. This mortal immortality. So what's going to happen since this fleshly body cannot inherit the kingdom of God? It says, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, verse 51, behold, I tell you a secret. I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. (laughs) We shall not all sleep. We shall not all be buried. We shall not all have a funeral. We shall not all be uh, put into the ground. But that doesn't mean we're not going to change. We too are going to change. Just like those who died believing in Christ, their bodies were changed when they came out of the ground. We too are going to have these bodies changed. The Bible says this, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, that same trumpet we read about in Thessalonians, for the trumpet will sound and the dead, their bodies will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. From the process of our feet lift, lifting off the ground <laughs> to meet the Lord in year, God is going to change these sinful, these corruptible, these fleshly, these worldly bodies forever. We too will be given a glorified body that is able to inherit the kingdom of God as well. So we won't miss out, even though we may miss out on death, we won't miss out on the change. Even though we we will all sleep, we shall all be changed, Paul says. So, if you believe in heaven, and I hope you do. If you believe in heaven, then you also have to believe in a rapture. Let me tell you why. Because a rapture is simply transporting you from earth to heaven. That's all a rapture is. A rapture, simply put, is transporting you from earth to heaven. And so if you believe in God and you believe in heaven, you believe we're going to be in heaven. Well, you got to get there, don't you? (laughs) So anybody who believes in heaven, they also have to believe in a rapture. So while every Christian believes in the what, where we disagree is on the when. All right. Every Christian, every believer believes in the what? The rapture. We will one day go to heaven. Where we disagree, however, is on the when. When does this transportation happen? When does this transportation take place? When does the church or the saints or the people of God, when does it happen where they are taken from earth to heaven? Is it before this 70th week starts? (laughs) Is it during this 70th week of Daniel? Or is it after the 70th week of Daniel? Those are your three options, okay? That's the big debate Christians have for millennia now, okay? Will the rapture of the church happen or take place before this week starts or during this week at the middle of it or at the end of this week. That is what Christians debate, okay? Now, I believe the rapture of the church will take place before the 70th week of Daniel, okay? I believe, like I said, I don't think we'll see the rise of the Antichrist. I don't believe we'll see the signing of the seven-year peace treaty. I don't believe we'll see the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. I don't believe we'll be here for that. And there are a few reasons. Now, those who don't believe like I believe, I'm sure they have scripture to back up why they believe it as well. That's why I say we'll all you know, find out eventually. Okay, Soon enough, we will all find out. Okay, But let me tell you why I believe the way that I believe, Okay, that it will happen before this 70th week of Daniel begins. If you go to 2 Thessalonians 2:7, we've already looked at this scripture, but I believe it bears repeating for what we're talking about today. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, the Bible says this, For the mystery of the lawlessness is already at work. And okay, like we said, you don't have to wait for the Antichrist. Why? Because many Antichrists have already come. His work is already being done. His workers are already hard at work doing his bidding already. The spirit of the Antichrist is already here. You don't have to wait for him to show up. His spirit is already here. Okay, But watch this. Only he, God, who now restrains, will do so until he, God, is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed. The Bible is saying even though you have the spirit of the Antichrist that is already at work and all you got to do is look at our society to see that's that's the case. So you got to do even though the Antichrist hasn't come on scene yet. The reason why he hasn't come out on scene is because God right now is giving him a stiff arm. OK, God right now is restraining him. God right now is holding him back and keeping him back. But the day is going to come according to the scripture where God is going to remove his hand and let him be revealed. God is going to get out of the way and let him be revealed. So it is God who is restraining, more specifically, the Spirit of God that is restraining. And where is the Spirit of God right now? In the church. In the church. You say, well, what church? This church? This church across the street? The Catholic church? The Baptist church? The Ma- no, no, no. Church is ecclesia, the called out ones, Okay. We're not talking about a building, we're not talking about a denomination, we're talking about a people who believe in Jesus Christ. That is the church. God says, I don't reside in buildings or temples made with hands. No, no, we are the living temple of the living God, the Bible says. The spirit of God dwells in us so when the spirit of God is removed, he is not going to remove his spirit from us and leave us here without it. Why give us the spirit to begin with? I believe that the spirit of God will be removed when the church is removed and the church is going to be removed through the rapture. And when the church and the spirit of God is removed and taken out of the way, the Bible says, then the Antichrist will be revealed. And what perfect time to be revealed in then, when you have literally millions of people who have disappeared without a trace. Right now, the world is going crazy concerned with this coronavirus. Can you imagine millions of people who all of a sudden vanish without a trace? It's going to be crazy. They're going to be looking for a leader. They're going to be looking for a savior. They're going to be looking for somebody who can explain all this and keep us safe. He will come in at this time when the church has been removed because the spirit of God has been removed through the rapture of the church. But there is another reason why I believe that the rapture of the church will happen or take place before the 70th week of Daniel begins. Matthew 24, 36. Matthew 24, 36. 36 Jesus is giving in time prophecy he is given the events of the end times of what's going to happen and take place but then he gives those words he says in Matthew 2436 but of that day and hour no one knows and that what Jesus said <laughs> of that day of that hour when I return in the air No one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. This is another reason why I believe it will happen before the 70th week of Daniel. Because if it happens in the middle of the week, when the Antichrist brings in the abomination that causes desolation and all hell literally breaks loose on this earth, if it is at that point where the rapture takes place, then you know exactly when he's coming back. (laughs) Do you not? All you have to do is if the seven year peace treaty is signed, we say, okay, three and a half years, Jesus is coming back. Wait a minute. Jesus said you didn't know when he was coming back. But if it happens in the middle, you know exactly when he's coming back. And if you believe it's at the end of the tribulation or the end of this week, again, you know exactly when he's coming back. The seven-year peace treaty has been signed. Okay, seven years from now, Jesus is coming back. You know exactly when he's coming. How can he come like a thief in the night unless you don't know when he's coming? How can he come in an hour you do not expect him to unless he comes before this, this week begins? So this is another reason why I believe it will happen or take place before this week begins. Lastly, if we are still here, that means we are looking for the Antichrist rather than Jesus Christ. If you believe we are still going to be here, if you believe we're going to be through this 70th week of Daniel, the seven year period, that means you are going to be looking for the Antichrist rather than Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what people are doing. They're always wondering, who is it? Is it Trump? Is it Obama? Who is it? Is it Putin? Who is it? it?" You're always looking for the Antichrist. (laughs) We're not supposed to be looking for the Antichrist. There's not one scripture you can point to where God tells us we need to be looking for the Antichrist. No, he says, look for Jesus Christ. He says, when you see these things happen, look where? Up. For your redemption draws nigh. <laughs> when you see these things happening, when you see the wars and the rumors of wars and the earthquakes and the famines and the pestilence and the disease and the sickness and all the things that we're seeing, he said, don't look out, don't look in, don't look to see what all is this, no, look up. Look up because your redemption draws nigh. Your redeemer is coming again. We have never been told to look for the Antichrist. We ought to look for Jesus Christ. But if you think you're still going to be here, you will be looking for the Antichrist trying to figure out who he is. No, I believe that we will be raptured. We will be taken out of this place. And that will launch this 70th week of Daniel. So lastly, it's okay, Pastor. I believe, I believe that there is a rapture. I believe that Perhaps we will be taken before this 70th week begins. But what might it look like? What might the rapture of the church look like? Well, Jesus gives us something to look back to so that we will know what to look forward to. (laughs) In uh, Luke 17, Luke 17, verse 26, the disciples had the same question, I'm sure, about Jesus when all these things would happen. And so in Luke 17, 26, Jesus says this. And as it was in the days of Noah, (laughs) everybody knows what happened with the days of Noah, right? (laughs) As it was in the days of Noah, Jesus says, so it will be also in the days of the son of man. He says they ate, they drank. They married wives. They were given in marriage. In other words, business as usual. No, 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 not anything significant happened or take place. No warning signs, no alarm bells, nothing. They were just living life as they've always done. Eating, drinking, working, getting married, just living life. And the Bible says, until the day that Noah entered the ark, And the flood came and destroyed them all. The Bible says that the flood is going to come without warning. The only warning the world will get is the warning they're getting right now from the church. The only warning the world is going to get is the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of Jesus Christ. The church right now being the light of the world in places of darkness, being the salt of the earth. That is the only warning the world is going to get. But one day God is going to call his people, call his church into the ark, just like he called Noah and his family into the ark. Okay. But I want you to notice something else. I don't have it up here on the screen here. But if you go back to Genesis seven, you will see how long they stayed in the ark before the floods came. Does anybody know how long they stayed in the ark? Seven days <laughs> a week. <laughs> Look it up, you don't believe me. Genesis 7-4. Genesis 7-4, after God calls Noah and his family into the ark, he says, and seven days from now, I'm going to send rain. Now, compare that to what we've just been talking about. God is going to come. Jesus Christ is going to come in the clouds in the air. He's going to call us into the ark. And for seven days, you're going to have, or seven years, you're going to have this week going on. And at the end of that seven-year time, the flood is going to come, just like it will happen at the end. At the end of that seven-year period, Jesus Christ is going to come back on earth. He's going to speak both, uh, but a word, and he's going to destroy all of wickedness forever. That is what's going to So he compares. He says, if you want to know what it will be, go back to what it was. Look back to the days of Noah and how it was in the days of Noah, so it's going to be in this day as well. He doesn't stop there, though, verse 28. He says, let me give you another example. He says in verse 28, like as it was also in the days of Lot. Everybody knows what happened with Lot, right? Sodom and Gomorrah. He says they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. They were just living life as normal. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, raptured, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. The Bible says all you gotta do is look at these past stories, these past events. You wanna know how it will be? Look back to how it was. And in all of these cases, or both of these cases, both Noah and his family, Lot and his family, they were both removed before destruction came. Both of them, they were both removed. Noah and his family were placed in an ark that lifted high above the waters, above the destruction. Lot and his family, they were taken by the angels, taken by the hand out of the city of Sodom. And removed from the destruction that came their way. And God is saying it's going to be the same way at the end. And he continues and says this. In verse 31, in that day, he who was on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who was in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. What happened with Lot's wife? She looked back. She looked back. The angel said, don't look back. Don't grieve, don't mourn, don't try and hold on to that. No, because you'll lose your life. In the same way, he says, remember Lot's wife. Don't look back. Whoever seeks to save his life at this time will actually lose life. And whoever loses his life will actually preserve or keep it. In other words, what Jesus is saying, if you are still here, when this happens, just know it's about to go down. You're still here. You see these things happening. You're going to remember what this preacher was talking about at Believe Church. And you no, know, just know, it's about to go down. Get out of Dodge. <laughs> go find somewhere. Go underground. That's why we call our midweek service the underground. Because church started underground. Church started in the home. And when these things happen, it's going to end up in the home. Okay? But get out of Dodge because it's about to go down. Then he says in verse 34, I tell you, in that night, there will be two men in one bed. The one will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other left. Now I know that there are some, there are those in the homosexual community who have tried to take this verse and pervert it to justify their lifestyle. They'll take this verse and say, well, there it is. Two men in bed together, two women grinding together, and one is taken. So really doesn't matter about your homosexuality. It doesn't matter about your lifestyle. What matters is if you really believe in God, because he's going to take one of those homosexuals. Wrong. This has nothing to do with sexuality. Has absolutely not, because if you cross-reference this with Matthew 24, you will read, it it says, and they were grinding together at the meal. okay? (laughs) They were at work, okay? (laughs) Just like the men were in the field together working, okay? And it's possible you can have two people in bed and there's nothing sexual going on or about it. This has nothing to do with that. It's not sexual. It is unexplainable. That's why he puts it in there. It is unexplainable because the first thing people are going to say when the rapture of the church happens and millions of people are gone, they're going to say, wow, what kind of disease is this? What kind of modern warfare weapon is this? What did the Russians come up with where they can completely obliterate people? And they're going to try to explain it away. But some people are going to say, but wait a minute, I was in the same bed. Wait a minute, I was in the same cubicle. (laughs) Wait a minute, I was together. So why would it take them out and then take me out? Why would it get rid of them and then destroy me? He's going to say that. So he's talking about proximity. This is going to happen because it's not a disease. It is not a weapon. It is God simply calling those that belong to him out of this place before the 70th week begins. That is why God says that. And it's at this time Now that the spirit and the church has been removed, that the Antichrist can now be revealed. Someone to explain it all away. Guys, don't worry. It's just a weapon. It's just a disease, but we got it under control. Someone who can save us. Don't worry. I'm here to save you. I'm here to protect you and keep you from what's happening to them. All these people that we lost, I'm here to keep keep it from happening to you. Someone to keep you safe. And those who are here, they're going to be prone to believing in this person. Trusting in this person. Worshipping this person. Listening to this person. But God says, if you try to hold on to your life at this time, you will actually lose life. But if you're willing to lose your life, because it's going to cost you. There are going to be some people who will be saved during this time. We're going to get into that later on, down, down the road. But it very well may cost you your head. It very well may cost you your life to do so. It will be possible, but it'll cost you your life to do it. What will happen then? After the rapture of the church, after the church is removed, what will happen then? Well, the rapture of the church is just the beginning. The rapture of the church is just the beginning of the things to come during this week, this last week, the seventh week of Daniel. Now again, just in case I am wrong and we are still here, or just in case you are wrong because you didn't want to believe and you are still here, we are going to recap the week that was. We're going to tell you all the things that are going to happen and take place in this 70th week of Daniel or this last seven year period before Jesus Christ comes back. We're going to tell you what's next, next time. Amen. Now, I think one of the scariest things for a child, maybe you've experienced this on your own, maybe your own children have experienced, certainly you've seen this happen or take place from time to time. One of the scariest things that happen and take place is when a child is lost. You ever see that? You be at the mall or you be at the amusement park or you, you be somewhere outside and a baby is just there crying. Ah! They're frantic. They, they can't find mom and dad. And the reason why that baby is crying the way that it is, because not only does that baby believe it's lost, that they believe that they've been left. Now, that's why they're crying the way that they are. If they know that mom and dad is still somewhere in the store, okay, I just got to find them. No, that's not why they're crying. The reason why they're crying is because they believe they have been left. Mom and dad are no longer here. I'm left here now. Can you imagine what it will be like for you to simply blink your eyes (laughs) And before you can open them up again, millions of people are gone. Gone. Without a trace. Without a sign. You're going to come to Believe Church looking for Pastor Neil. Pastor Neil will not be here, okay? <laughs> I will not be here. <laughs> You're going to drive over to Pastor Neil's house looking for Pastor Neil. Pastor Neil will not be there. <laughs> and then it is going to hit you that you've been left behind, you've been left here. To go through the worst time, the Bible says, this world has ever seen. I don't want that to be the case for anybody here. That is why we do what we do. That is why we are passionate about what we do. Because we've been called, we've been given a great commission. We've been given the mission of God to sound the alarm, to ring the bell, to let as many people as possible know that this will happen. It is going to happen. And if you don't believe this will happen, why do you believe anything about the Bible? And why do you why are you even here today? <laughs> if you don't believe this, why do you believe anything that Jesus has to say? It is going to happen. The week that was is the week that will be. And it is one you don't want to be here for. So my challenge to you, God's challenge to all of us is that we will get in the ark while we still can. We will get in the ark of God while we still can. We will take the hand of God to lead us out while we still can. That is my challenge my hope and prayer for you. Will you stand to your feet, if you will, at this time? Well, I did it. Y'all can tell Cynthia, 1230, on the dot. We're good. (laughs) Before we let you go, we want to give you an opportunity now To make a decision in light of what you have now heard. My job is not to try and scare you, even though if scaring works, so be it. If I can scare the hell out of you, I'll take it. (laughs) I'll take it. (laughs) But the problem with you being scared now is that fear may dissipate. That fear may go away. You get back home, you start watching TV again, you go to work, you go to school, and you forget about this message. And the fear dissipates. So I want the decision you are making to last, not to be based on emotion, but to be based on truth that you now believe. And if you've come to believe church, not believing. If you've come to believe church, just plain church. Just want to come to check off the I went to church this week box. Oh, God, I'm looking for a blessing. Oh, God, can you help me with my business or my marriage? That's why you've come. But yet you've come and you have heard the truth of God's word. God has allowed you to come to hear it so that you may respond to it. To give you an opportunity to respond to it. It's real simple. Say, Lord, I believe. I believe. I don't care what the world says. I don't care if they think it's a fairy tale. I don't care if they feel it's far-fetched. The Spirit of God has spoken to my heart today. The Spirit of God has knocked on my heart today, and I want to open my heart and let him in. I want him to forgive me of all of my sin, everything that I've done against him. I want to be cleansed of all unrighteousness. I want to be granted salvation and life eternal and forevermore. I want to inherit the kingdom of God both now and forever, I want Jesus Christ. I want to be forgiven. If you have made that decision today, in your heart of hearts, if you have made that decision today, we would love to pray with you. We would love to pray for you. We would love to rejoice with you in the decision that you have made. So you just lift your hand up and say, Pastor, I've made that decision today. For the very first time, is there anybody here who made that decision today for the very first time? Okay, well, let me do this. If you've ever made the decision, raise your hand. If you've ever made the decision, raise your hand to give your life Christ. I want everybody to look around. If there's anybody who doesn't have their hand lifted, <laughs> you arrest them, okay? You bring them to the altar. <laughs> Guys, okay, put your hands down. This is nothing to play around with. This is nothing to be unsure, unsure. Well, I think I am. I think I, no. You want to know that you know that you know because you do not want to be here. Oh, God is so good. God is so good. He is so good. <laughs> well, I pray that you are having a good time. As much fun as I'm having up here, and we're just going to keep this thing rolling. We're going to keep it going. Like I said, when we first started this series, you don't want to miss a Sunday. You don't want to miss a Sunday. So we're just going to keep things going, let you know the very next thing to take place and happen after the rapture of the church. But for now, receive the blessing or the benediction and remember your bread before you leave. In John 14:1, John 14, 1, Jesus said this. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go now to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will be back. I will come again and I will receive you unto myself that where I am, there you may be also. That is the promise of God. Jesus Christ left over 2,000 years ago and for 2,000 years, he has been preparing a place for us and he is coming back (laughs) ready or not. He's coming back. So we want to make sure you are ready. Lift your hands to to heaven and receive a blessing or benediction. Lord, we bless your holy name. And thank you so much, God, for revealing the truth of your word and your kingdom to us. Revealing the secrets and the mysteries of your kingdom to us. To give us an opportunity to believe in you, to trust in you, so that we may have you both now and forever. So now as we prepare to leave this place, may we never leave the truth that we have now heard. May it go before us to sustain us, to keep us, to equip us, and to help us to help others to have it as well. We bless you. We love you. We thank you. We praise your holy name. It is in Jesus' name that we pray and ask all these things, and all of God's people said together. Amen. Amen. I love you. We'll see you next time. Lord bless you.